I call it just sitting in crap, you know, sitting in crap for seven seconds is a lot better than sitting in crap for 10 seconds. So, you know, if we, you know, the quicker you change the diaper, baby, the the better it is. And welcome back to another Park Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Seven Singer. We got Matt Cermak here with still his subpar mic. He forgot his good mic again. I'm still hosting a game show. Don't worry. About <laughs> Holding it. his microphone right now in video. Um, guys, thanks for joining another par train. In case you're new, when you're on the par train, golf, the hardest, hardest game in the world feels easy. But we've all been there, even for a couple holes, right? Well, our mission is to understand why. So we can make other hard stuff seem easy and help you get better on and off the course. We have interviews from PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, like Ward today alongside one of his players, Eric Straub, plus three handicap, and more. So you'll get the motivation to keep chugging and the tools to enjoy the ride. Before we get to our interview with Eric and Ward, maybe our favorite format. um, We got to have a quick word from our friends over at Roback. Did you see what uh, type of mask George W. Bush was wearing the other day? Former Former president of the United States. He was, he was wearing, wearing a rollback mask. He was wearing the Patriot rollback mask uh, at the inauguration a few weeks ago. That was, I mean, it just struck me out. It was so cool. It was, I mean, the masks are great, so it doesn't surprise me. But if you guys haven't tried their masks, their Q-zips, their polos, their hoodies, their performance t-shirts, literally everything they have is stretchier than beyond belief, super soft. It's the best quality stuff, seriously. No joke. We're not just saying that. Like literally Matt and I were lucky to get, we've said this before, but we're lucky to get free stuff from them, but we still buy it yep. sometimes, right? It's that good. That's how you know it's good. So hit the link in our show notes and get yourself 15% off your first rowback order. Um, it's also always linked in our social accounts at the par train. Follow us if you haven't already. But Matt, let's get to this episode with Ward and Eric, another mental game roundtable. Talk about fun to have a few guests at a time on the show. Yeah. And yeah, this was the first time we had player and mental coach, right? The player coach dynamic that we were just, you know, we kind of witnessed and discussed was really cool. Um, yeah. Obviously, Ward is, you know, we've had him on the show and he's become pretty famous in the golf world for turning around Brendan Todd and working with other tour players and college players. But Eric, Eric's Eric's one of my best friends. You know, we, we played college golf for two years together at Missouri State. Um, and um, it's just fascinating to hear Eric talk about his college days, his, you know, his two-time club champion at the Country Club of Paducah. Our buddy Ryan is still searching for his first club championship. In <laughs> he St. probably Lewis. needs to listen to this, right? Eric thought it was important that we make sure that it's clear to the audience. But um, man, talk about you know, that they got into the breakthroughs, the challenges of Eric's game, you know, how to, this theme of access to your best, mm-hmm. you know, about figuring out your life that have you talk about a lot. I, I just thought we, we, we really, we really had some fun. Well, guys, there's so many takeaways here. I'd say one of the biggest is, you know, Eric was obviously always a good player, right? Played D1 college with Matt, but the way that his game has skyrocketed in the last few years after working with Ward, um, it's really special to see the impact that the mental game has. I think a lot of you will benefit from those nuggets that we discuss here. And we also talk deeply about 
how can a 15 handicap benefit from this? Right. Like we really talk, we try and make it as relatable and as possible because we know that it's easy as a 15 or 12 or whatever you are to listen to a three handicap or plus, sorry, plus three handicap talk about their game and it feels unattainable, but everything he talks about and ward can be applied to any skill level. And I think that's really important to know. What a a great episode. Yep. Good as always. So, all right. If you guys aren't subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, give us a subscribe. It really helps. Give us a review. We've got a uh, giveaway right now for a part train hat. If you DM us your review and it's one of the funny ones or super creative, we are giving away free rope part train hats. I mean, how good are those hats? They're incredible. I still need to send you yours, Matt. That's on me. Um, Thanks. But guys, thank thank you as always for listening to the show. We'll see you next Sunday. And guys, don't forget, enjoy the ride out there. That's the key. See you guys. And Eric, you played you played college golf with Cermak. I want you to start just so people can understand, get a feel for for who you are, Eric. Uh, and we'll we'll try and do a good job of addressing each of you by name so people know who's talking. But um, give people context on your game, kind of where you kind of your journey, right? Where you're at now from a handicap standpoint, where you were in college, and give people some context about you as a golfer. Sure. Yeah. So um, I've been playing golf since I could walk. I mean, my parents have pictures of me and even before I could walk in a little, you know, stroller thing, holding golf clubs, both of my parents played. So they were, they were both into it. Um, I was blessed to be able to live on a golf course growing up. And, you know, that was, that was my playground. That was my backyard. Um, So started off early playing in a lot of junior tournaments. Um, You know, I played, I played multiple sports growing up, but golf was really the one that I always knew that I wanted to do for a long time. And, and ultimately, when I got into middle school, early high school years, um, wanted to really uh, nail in, focus on it, and knew I wanted to play golf in college. Um, I played basketball and soccer and golf all through uh, high school, um, had good success in all three of those. But uh, golf has always been my just passion and, and the thing that I love, thing the thing that you guys love as well. But so... As I went through high school, um, you know, I, I started, you know, playing playing well. Won a few high school tournaments. Um, had a, had offers to go to a few different D1 schools, and uh, ultimately landed on Missouri State. And today, it's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I made the most the, the best of friends. Got to work on my game. Got a lot of competition experience, um, practice experience, things like that. When I look back on it, you know, I, I really started developing more of the mental side of it after after I got out of college and I think one of the best things that happened for me was uh, after I went through that you know strenuous time of college golf where it's kind of like a job and everything I went to law school after that and I put the clubs up for about three years and so after I graduated law school came back to Paducah um, fortunate enough to be able to join the club that I was uh, had been a member my whole life and and place that means more to me than pretty much any place in the world and that um, along with just kind of starting studying on the mental side of it and really having that appreciation for it again is really when my game kind of took off and I've been playing the best golf I've played in my life for the last couple of years and, and, and most of it's just mentality I don't I don't hit as many balls as I used to I don't have the opportunity to do that I don't have the opportunity to practice as much as I, I used to it's all just going out there and having fun with it and um, appreciating the fact that you get to play and, um, and just kind of enjoying each experience of it and each moment of it. 
But it's interesting how people say all the time, if only I had the time. Like if I could dedicate all the time in the world to golf, I could have been, you know, a pro or I could have, I could be a scratch or all these things. But it's funny, you had all the time in the world as a college player. I've, I've heard about your guys' schedule, right? It's yeah. a grind. And now you're doing less and you're a plus three. Yeah, it's interesting how the, I'm going to love to get into the mindset. But how did you meet Ward? Let's talk about that first. And then we'll, we'll talk the about real, Ward. the real question. <laughs> so, it, I, no, I, I know Ward and I had coffee last week and we we're talking about that. And we we're trying to remember, you know, I've known Ward's family my whole life. Um, him and his family were members of the same club and everything. And then I think it was on Twitter. I had started following him and and kind of just started seeing the stuff that he was tweeting about and saw that he was a, a mental coach and I had kind of been starting my own studying on it doing you know I, back in college and even the high school stuff you know I had the Rotella books the golf game of perfect and so I had already had some experience with those but kind of wanted to take a deeper dive and and found some materials and things and then just reached out to Ward said hey I'm kind of interested in what you're talking about let's get together and and we did and had some coffee and and we've done that a few times and we have become good friends text back and forth on different ideas he texts me on things and I text him on things uh, we've gone out and played a few times here and there, and we're looking forward to getting getting back to it this this year and and really honing in on it. So Ward, we had you on the show last year. For for those who didn't listen to that episode, they need to. But if they didn't, catch us up on what's new with you, with your sports psychology practice, the PGA Tour, your learnings, and and so just get us caught up. Sure. Well, it's uh, great to be back, guys. Uh, here with my man, Eric Straub. Uh, we're hunkered down here in uh, Kentucky for the winter, like, like we do every year, uh, d dreaming of Evan's life in sunny California. But <laughs> anywho, uh, yeah. You know, I think I mentioned on the last pod, you know, Russ Cochran, longtime PGA Tour professional, uh, and he's from our hometown in Paducah, Kentucky. And it's, it's just ironic kind of looking back, you know, um, the connections we make in life. And, you know, I was basically introduced to the PJ Tour through Russ Cochran as a 10, 11 year old. I ended up being introduced to my wife to be uh, 10 years ago by Russ's oldest son, my best one of my best friends. And uh, Eric just happens to be best friends with Russ's youngest son. So I, I knew the connection there. And of course, like Eric said, I grew up, um, you know, I, I knew his, his parents well. And I, um, you know, I guess when, when he was a baby. But uh, yeah, coming full circle there. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's been great to uh, connect with um, Eric and then through, through Eric um, with you guys. So, um, yeah, we're just uh, we're excited about doing our thing uh, leading into the spring and uh, playing some golf again. Ward, as a coach, right, we've talked a lot about what you've done with Brennan Todd. It's been amazing. Um, when someone like Eric reaches out to you, maybe this will be an interesting way to dive into Eric's game a little bit is maybe from the coach's side, right? What are the first questions you ask what what did you try and and what were your first impressions about eric's game and kind of where you guys started together sure um you, you know um i like to kind of dive in to get a kind of a baseline understanding uh of how how the individual has has broke down the, the mental game uh, over the years right um you know um big term but i think we all kind of 
think about it in in various ways, and we can think about it in various ways. So, so that's a that's a big starting point for me, and it's interesting to see um, how that understanding evolves, um, strengthens, maybe tweaked here and there, um, and just kind of taking what they have. And uh, you know, obviously Eric was a great player, so I knew he had a lot of great strengths. I knew he had a lot of mental toughness. So really, just tapping into what he did well and kind of b- b- building out from there. I mean, that's a big a big starting point for many um, player I work with. Yeah, no, I, that's interesting because it, it, it's it's going to be fun to dive into the genesis of the, of the of this all of Eric's game, your relationship. Because so for the listeners, Eric, remember we spent some years playing at Missouri State together, right? I mean, Absolutely. I was telling Ev before you guys jumped on, how many battles did you and I have in qualifying, right? <laughs> like we'd be trying. I know, I- <laughs> You know, that's a funny story. That's not funny to bring up because I think, you know, I was a freshman um, and I was about to, I was trying to qualify for my first tournament ever. And Matt and I go into a playoff at Millwood and, oh. and Matt, Matt makes a putt and, and makes the first tournament. And that was, uh, you know, it, it's just a friendly battle that, you know, that's one thing, too, about Missouri State. We just had a great group of guys love to battle, love to compete. But then, you know, after the fact, we we're all best friends, go hang out and, and then just enjoy it. But, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, I, and let's dive in there, right? So, I mean, we're playing six, seven days a week. We're traveling. We're missing class. So, right, we, we travel on Saturdays, practice run on Sundays, 36 on Mondays, 18 on Tuesday, five-hour drive. You get home. You're off Wednesday. Workouts Thursday morning, right? Qualifying Thursday afternoon for the next event. It's yeah. a grind, right? Yeah. And it was a grind to qualify for tournaments. Um it was a great, you know, and then it was a grind to play in the tournaments. And oftentimes, Eric, I think we've talked about this. It felt like a job. It was so easy to get down and think the world was ending. One, if you didn't qualify for a tournament, but two, right. you shot 82 in the first round. And then you're already in the back of your head, like, well, you've got 36 more holes, but I'm going to be qualifying again next. You know, you just didn't want to, that qualifying grind was tough. So talk about those experiences, Eric, you know, what you learned, what you took from them. Um, and then as we get more talking about you and Ward. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think I calculated time because um, um, I, I was always in qualifiers. I, I, w- I went to a lot of tournaments, but I qualified for a lot of tournaments. I never really qualified. You know, our coach would have different parameters that if you finish at a certain, you know, top 10, top 15 or whatever, you're in the next tournament. Anyways, um, I found myself qualifying a lot. So I, I do remember one stretch of the time where I believe I played 14 competitive rounds in uh, 12 days and and you know like Matt said you, you just you're, you're you've got the pressure of making it to the tournament and then trying to hold on and 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 force yourself to to qualify through that tournament and in the back of your mind you're thinking am I gonna have to go back and qualify when I get home and it's just a constant it doesn't give you that freedom to to just kind of go out and play um, as, as you would want to as freely as you can to perform at your optimal level. Looking back on it, you know, I think I would, um, I would, I would handle it a little bit better. I think I handled it fine when I was, when I was doing it at that point, but at the same time, you know, just taking a step back, a breather, I'm playing, I get to play golf 14 times in 12 days. You know what I mean? It, it's, it, a it's, job, it's a good job. dream. You know? <laughs> yeah. Good job to have, you know, we, we kid about that, about it being a job and being stressful and, and all that. But, um, you know, there, there's truth to both of it. It, it, it. You get to the point where 
when you when you're starting to think, oh, I've got to go hit golf balls today, that's not the spot you want to be in to, to be able to play your best golf. You want to be energized and ready and pumped up. I get to go play golf today. I'm excited about it. I get to go try to post a number today. Whereas when you're going through that grind of the the workouts and the classes and the you know playing all the time, you just don't feel that way all the time as much as you like to. Yeah, and and what I really respected about Coach Stafford, our coaches, he made us go earn it, right? He just like, right. look, you know, like, and it was tough, but like it was, I, I think he was, it, it was a mental push, but it was, but you had to grind through it, and you had to figure it out, and you had to learn how to free yourself up, right? And I think sometimes that was that was just it's just challenging. It's college golf yeah. is challenging, you know. Yeah, I mean the weather was always a challenge, um, you know. We were there in Springfield, Missouri, and and you know trying to start practicing in early February and things, and and sometimes the weather didn't cooperate, and we're hitting balls in the nets. And then when the weather's just decent enough to get out there, which a lot of people wouldn't go out there when it's 40 degrees and, and slightly raining, but you know that's when we were out there doing it. So it wasn't. There's a lot of factors that it just you know you see these guys on the PGA Tour, and a lot of times they're playing just you know immaculate courses, great weather, all that stuff. Um, there's a lot of golfers out there that are grinding on it that aren't playing those types of you know courses and those types of manicured places that yeah like like I said it's just a grind and um, I'm thankful for it and I would never trade anything for that but oh, uh, you know it's 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 it, it, it's excellent to look back on and kind of just learn from it because golf as we know is something you can play for uh, you know as long as you want to or as long as you can God willing. So it's funny Eric because you know for context one thing I do full time is I coach on uh companies on stress right and um you know one thing i talk about in that training is that in the moment <laughs> there's that famous quote of like choose your hard right marriage is hard divorce is hard working out is hard being fit is hard being obese is hard right like you can choose your hard but a lot of times what i've noticed is the things that you think are the hardest in the moment is actually what you look back on the most, right? Yeah. What bonded you the most, what you miss the most. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to understand, like you, you could have, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, looking back, what maybe you would think about differently. And maybe I want to help people understand, a lot of people don't understand what it's like to be a scratch golfer, let alone a plus three. So maybe let's start transitioning from maybe what you've learned since those days. It sounds like yeah. you appreciate the game a lot more. You're having more fun with the game, but maybe what do you think is one of the keys that got you to a plus three? I, I know exactly what it is. I, so I look back on those, those tournaments, those events, those qualifiers and things. And, um, you know, Ward and I talk about a lot about, you know, the less you control, the more you control, you know, the more you think sometimes you'll think I need to try harder, try harder, when really taking a step back and, and trying to relax and, and making it easier on yourself is when you're going to perform at your best. So I take a look back to kind of my college experiences and things, and I can remember several shots. I know Matt and I have talked about this a lot too, where, you know, you, you've got a pretty standard shot that, you know, you tense up and instead of your miss being 30 feet from the hole on the green, your miss is 30 yards left or right, short-sighted, and you've put yourself in a situation where, Par is going to be incredibly tough. Bogey is going to be a decent score, and you're bringing double into play. So when I when I finished law school and started playing again, 
you know, I knew I had the reps from hitting balls for my whole life, uh, you know, and I think this relates to normally, you know, a plus three, plus eight, 15 handicap, any of that. You go out on the range and you know you can hit a golf ball, right? Like you, a lot of that is, can I take it from the range to the course? Why can't I do that? Anyways, you know, you can hit a golf ball. You have ability to hit that golf ball. And when you're not thinking about it, you're automatic and you're hitting fine shots. So something that when I started playing again, I just thought, Hey, okay. If I make a swing that I'm capable of making, I know that I'm not going to miss by much. So if I just get over a shot and say, I'm just going to make the swings that my body's capable of making that I've practiced. And that's gonna, not going to miss by much. Then I found myself not missing by much because I know I can hit a golf ball. I know I can hit good golf shots. So when I, if, if I don't hit it to 15 feet and I've got a nice birdie putt at it, maybe I'm 30 feet, 40 feet on the green where I'm good with my putter that I'm not, not bringing a, a stressful bogey into play or a stressful par. I'm, I'm still got a chance at birdie. You know, it, it's eliminating looking back on college eliminating those big misses that were a cause of trying to control it too much not letting your just free natural automatic swing take over um, and trying to force something that you don't have to force because you know how to do it you know like pressure is pressure something you put on yourself thoughts that come into your mind or something that you do to yourself and trying to you know eliminate those and just realize look i can hit a golf shot and if i don't hit it the best i can hit it it's not going to be that bad like I said, I think that goes to all levels of handicappers that hit balls and they say, oh, I'm striping it today on the range. I go out the course and I couldn't hit it. Well, what was the difference? You know, what was the difference? The same shots. That's what Ward and I talk about all the time. It's the same shot. It's the same swing. But the one thing that's different is you're thinking about that feedback or that where that ball is going to end up um, as opposed to, all right, I've got my, my, got my target. If I make a, make a good swing here or just a swing that I'm capable of making, do it. And you're going to hit a lot better, a lot more good golf shots than you are those big misses when, when you do that. And that's what's really helped me. So, so we're jumping here. So, you know, Eric talks about it's just bringing this stress level down. Everyone's talking about coaching stress training and just being more of the same. What's the planning stages like? What, when, when Eric and you guys were breaking this down, yeah, talk about this. Yeah, you know, the way we kind of organize it and break it down or, you know, I call it CCEE. We talk a lot about managing our clarity, about what it is we're doing, uh, we, managing our, 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 our uh, capabilities, our competence, um, our skill set, always wanting to strengthen that, build that up. It's basically our best, you know, building our best up, tweaking our best, you know, making it better, um, managing our energy, uh, three, and then four, managing our executional moment. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, golf is two things, right? It's, it's developing skill and it's um, accessing skill for playing golf. And, and we all know that the two aren't the same. And so, you know, Eric's, Eric's in that um, stage of life. You know, he's got, uh, he's married. He's got a young, um, y- y- young daughter, um, a newborn. And, you know, he's, a, he's a, g- g- got a successful uh, law practice going. And so, you know, we talk a lot about accessing his best. Obviously, his best is really good. You know, um, he can he can compete um, on on some big stages. So, you know, we talk about a lot about you know g- g- getting clear on okay what's going to access his best moving forward. Whether it's you know 
going going into a weekend tournament where he's had a stressful um, week of work and, you know, doing those mental practices of, you know, you know, what does focus mean then, you know? And so we talk about, you know, when, when we go into our competitive environment, you know, we, we got to treat it just like any other time that we would need to focus where, where we, we have to kind of um, consider things that, that are very important in our life, like our family and our kids and our job. And, you know, the stuff that makes life go around, it almost has to become kind of temporary, temporarily irrelevant, as I call it, when we step in that box, when we step in the competitive arena, if we're going to truly go through our processes, stay out of our way and, uh, you know, a- allow our best to come through. So, you know, just working on, on all four of those aspects um, is w- w- where it's at, I think. So it's interesting, Ward and Eric, because I'm always thinking about the 10 to 15 handicap listening, right? And I think it's easy for that player to kind of scoff at the plus three or PJ Torpro talking about the mental game, because in their mind, I might be thinking they've got the game. They've got what I want, right? But what's interesting, though, and what a lot of people get backwards is we made this joke to James Hong, uh, an instructor, a couple weeks ago on the show, is a lot of people think you got to be on the par train to enjoy the ride, but actually you got to enjoy the ride and then we open the doors. You can ride the train as long as you want, right? So once people realize that, no, actually... Yes, you might be incredibly inconsistent. If anyone can relate to that, it's me, right? I could shoot a 74 one day and an 88 the next, right? With big misses, two-way misses, you name it, I've experienced it. But the funny thing that people I think want to need to realize, I'd love to get your guys' take on this, is that stuff might be there in the background, but you trying to suppress those things only leads to more of it. It's a fluid motion is what we're trying to do, right? I know Ward, your journey with stuttering has really helped you on this journey with coaching and Brendan Todd. And so maybe we can talk about that for a second, because I think a lot of people get that backwards. They focus on what they're trying to achieve and avoiding a miss instead of realizing that a relaxation and acceptance and fluidity actually will get them closer to the result they desire than trying to prevent a bad one. Does that make sense? Uh, one of the last shows I, I listened to, and I think I te- texted Matt about it. I think you guys had changed up your intro a little bit because you, you referenced, you know, everybody's been on that par train. You've had that stretch of three or four holes where everything's clicking, this and that. Um, and, and one of the things that, one of the books that really helped me a, a lot was this book called uh, Mental Toughness Training for Sports by James Lore. And it's a ward and, and you know, it, it's talking about your ideal performance state. And, you know, when you're in that kind of zone, in that flow, and, and it's not just for PGA Tour players, good amateurs, it's for those 15 handicaps that have those stretch of three or four holes. You know, you may not have a full round of it, but you've got that, that experience of those three or four holes where you can take a look back at how you felt, what your mind was thinking, how your body felt when you had that stretch and really hone on that because you know, got this page pulled up, you know, there's a bunch of categories that, that emerge from all these different studies from performing athletes when they're in that ideal performance state. And it's you're physically relaxed, you're mentally calm, you've got low anxiety, you're energized, you're optimistic, you're enjoying it, you're effortless, it's automatic, you're alert, you're mentally focused, you're self-confident in your control. So you, 
you you can pull out all of those things or at least a few of those things from that little stretch of golf that you you know that you're capable of and the key to me i think is you know recognizing that and being able to trying to have that happen more often by saying look i've done that before what was i feeling maybe i can convince myself you know one of the other kind of terms is performer as actor you know you can kind of trick your 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 neurological system to believe that okay i am optimistic i am automatic and i'm just trying to emulate that that stretch of holes that i was in maybe it's three or four holes maybe it was a nine you know and i'm trying to just work on that because as time goes on the more you work at it it's another nine it's it's 12 holes that you're feeling that it's a, you finally complete a round you know it's 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 eliminating that that feedback, that fear of where it's going to go, like you said, because those thoughts are going to come in. And if you try to just totally block them out, like you said, you're going to get a little more anxious, a little more stressful, and they're going to just, you know, in, intensify. But if you can just recognize that those thoughts are coming in and, and recognize and say, okay, I'm thinking about that, but that doesn't have any bearing on what the shot I'm going to hit is, you know, then that, I think you guys have talked about it before, the last dance, you know, Michael Jordan says, why would I think about a shot I haven't taken yet? you know, why would I worry about the result of that? So, you know, Ward and I talk about feedback a lot of times and, you know, good and bad feedback of, you know, not thinking about the results and just thinking about what you're doing and making sure that your, your mind and your body are, are, are in sync. So let's dig in on this. I love this, Eric, because feedback is huge. A lot of people don't, aren't able to separate. Now that comes from awareness and you clearly have had experience with awareness, recognizing thoughts as feedback instead of as you. Let's talk about using your emotions and your thoughts as feedback instead of, oh my God, right? This, this oh my God spiral moment when you just hit a miss that you haven't hit in two months, right? How can, how can the 15 handicap start to use things more as feedback instead of a, a negative spiral? I think something on that that's kind of helped me is just that you know, if you do hit that wayward shot, you know, you've got that immediate feedback of, you know, who knows where, say you're short-sighted somewhere or something after an approach, okay? Instead of, oh, well, that's a bogey, oh, that's an opportunity opportunity for me to make a stick up and down. You know what I mean? You play it shot by shot to where that shot doesn't ruin my round. That's just a cool shot that I get to try to hit and try to get it up and down for par or try to get it up and down for birdie or try to hole it. You know, this is a, this gotta, is a, this is a game, right, Eric? Yeah, this is a <laughs> game. And this, this is what the game is giving me at this point. And now I just have to, I, I get, I get to, that's the, that's the, that's I think the main thing is I get mm. to try to hit this shot and get to uh, have this opportunity to, to recover. You know, it's not throwing it away. Oh, I just left that in the bunker short. There goes my birdie chance that it's a, let's try to hit an awesome shot here and and that may be the shot that you take away from the entire round you know it could that that shot can come at any moment that um that that could stem from you know a previous shot where maybe your 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 mind's not where it needs to be or you have those thoughts coming in don't hit it right and then you hit it right and then you're oh oh no and not letting that carry on to where you let that influence you know multiple holes or multiple shots you know go ahead go ahead jump in there you know you know, Eric was talking about, um, you know, what, what in, in my system we call the post-shot feedback moment there, and that's thoughts and feelings about actual outcomes. But, you know, one of the really interesting things, and I think a lot of high handicappers experience this, you know, you can be a CEO, multimillionaire, super successful person, and you can become a total basket case when it comes to hitting a golf shot. Hmm. 
you know how how many how many, how many uh, people we know are like that. Yep. And I think what's in play there is what we would call the pre-shot feedback moment, where that's 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 managing thoughts and feelings about potential outcomes, like what can potentially happen when I go to move this golf club. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, um, you know, in, in in my coaching and stuff, that that's an essential moment. That's a certain moment. That, that's a moment that, that you can guarantee is going to happen if, if you go to see it up today. So why would we not prepare for that? Why, why would we not, you know, I say every moment has a purpose. Well, the purpose of the feedback moment, I define it negatively. It's, it's not to avoid it, you know, because number one, it's involuntary, involuntary. You know, we can't avoid it. You know, it, we can't control thoughts and feelings about about a potential outcome initially, but where we can build up that sense, that higher sense of control is what the heck are we going to do? You know, what's our plan? Mm -hmm. So we're really not, not being thrown off by it, but really using our mind, you know, to take what would otherwise be a distracting interfering element and almost turn it into some, to a wanted essential element. And I think that that, that, that applies to players, whether you're a top 20 player in the world, or a 15 handicap right you know That's, um yeah, yeah. So, okay so let's talk about this get in the moment here right we're at country club Paducah, ninth hole i think i got the right club and hit in the water i don't you don't have the and you just don't execute and you get shocked by the moment right so sure. talk about that moment to that walk to the next shot how are you training your players what conversations have you had with eric with brendan todd about you know, Webb Simpson talks about let God and let go. That's yeah, his thing, and, they, right? and, they, and that's his personality type, right? You know, I right. think personality so, types in golf. I think there there are warriors. I think who are super successful. I think there are tacticians that are super successful. I think there are, um, you know, um, you know, the, the, those type of personalities, and that's fine. I think you almost need to have that. You know, that they're the the kind of uh, destiny kind of let let God and let go type. You know, if if, if that's important. Um, part of your life you know um so so, so, so yeah do that but you know re realize that um you know um you know i've um I, I work with a kid at university of alabama who's fixing to turn pro wilson fur and you know his his issue isn't stress on the golf course it was just making bad decisions that led to high emotions and which led to just kind of bleeding over into the next shot and so you know, with, with Wilson, with him, you know, it's all about, you know, ending that moment. You're realizing that we can't control how it starts, but we've got to end it. And sometimes if we can, you know, I, I, I call it just sitting in crap, you know, sitting in crap for seven seconds is a lot better than sitting in crap for 10 seconds. So, you know, yeah. if we, you know, the quicker you change the diaper, baby, the, the better it is. So, uh, so it's just, you know, seeing progress in that, you know, yeah, get, get mad, have the emotions, but but, you know, be able to, you know, also game of momentum, if that, if that sucker's sliding backwards, you know, if we're in a car and it's rolling backwards, you can't just throw it in forward and go forward. You got to bring that thing to a stop, a smooth stop. Mm. Go go to neutral, right? And then start going forward again. But losing momentum in golf is, I mean, you can go out and shoot 63 today, and I guarantee you that, that there's going to be a few moments where you're, you're losing momentum in that round. Well, it's interesting, too, because – I forget who said this on the show before, but it's funny to remember, and Eric, your comment made me think about this. 
golf is literally designed for us to fail. There are literally bunkers placed at a dog leg that most players will hit. If they hit in that direction, it is designed to capture our ball, right? And so knowing that, you guys make me think of, uh, Matt and I are both reading this book, It Takes What It Takes by the, the coach, Russell Wilson's mental coach. Forever. Great book so far. Um, I'm on like page 70 or something. And Ryan White talking about Applegate recommendation. Yep. Shout out and to Federated. I remember that. And uh, yeah, you'll love it, Eric. And Ward too, if you haven't read it. Um, oh, I actually sent that book to Eric. Oh, did you? Yeah. True. Oh, nice. So, from Moad. so they were, he was talking about how the night before the Super Bowl uh, versus the Patriots, uh, remember this was the game he threw it on the one yard line and threw an interception and they lost. But the night before they were talking, and Ward, you made me think of this. You were talking about planning, right? What do you do? And they were literally outlining, okay, what needs, what would happen tomorrow if it's all going wrong? What would happen tomorrow if it's all going right? What can we do in each scenario, right? And so when he went into the game, he was thinking neutrally because he had thought about those scenarios. And he knew, Eric, to your point, he knew that if he gets his reps, he gets his shots, he's going to make plays. Right. And I think there's this very small shift of, I know it's hard for people to say, and for people, the 15 handicap with a two way miss to approach that bunker shot you mentioned, Eric, with optimism. But it is funny going back to our point before, it's a very small shift to feel like you get to hit the shot versus dread and worry. Right you're out there to play a game might as well put your all into it and see where the the chips lay right i mean that's such a small shift yet it's so monumental in regards to the energy you have the momentum you can create i mean maybe let's dig in on that a little bit more because i think that's really important sure yeah i mean i i think that's that's spot on and and, and the things that we're talking about all these things they're the easiest things in the world to say and and preach and and try to that you know you know what you're what you need to try to do um but it's just so hard to do it and and i think that one of the things about kind of the mental toughness and being able to um approach any you know your job anything like that this stuff is is practice it, it's not something that you inherit mental toughness isn't something that's just inherently in in some in some you know i guess sort of but it's something that you can practice like i said so the more times you have that bunker shot that you previously dreaded the more times you convince yourself that this is an opportunity and each time try to do that the more you practice it the more you mold it i mean and the more it, it, it ingrains in you that that's how it's to react to a shot you know when you go out and play with your buddies or just play to practice you know do it that way when when you've got a crazy shot that that you you know is tough or it's in the bunker and you're not good at bunker shots um you know, convince your mind that you are. Just say, hey, I'm going to try this and, and try to hit a good shot here. Call Matt Cermak up and get a freaking short game lesson, right, Evan? I mean, it worked for me. <laughs> I mean, the, guy takes the, the guy's taking the Amtrak's up to Chicago. No, but real quick, though. You can't write on the that, script. This is <laughs> funny, though. <laughs> no, Ward, I didn't even realize that I was doing what Eric said at our member guests in St. Louis, where 
you know, I'd struggled with chipping and pitching my whole life. And I go up and I've talked about this before. I go get a short game lesson from Cermak. I feel like I finally have the tools because I'm not, I'm not wondering what I should do. I'm letting the lie dictate what I do. And then I'm picking the shot I feel most comfortable with to put, give myself the best chance. And I remember if I'd be short-sighted or I'd be just off the green, I would turn to my, my partner, Ryan, and I would say, hey, time for a little Cermak here, a little short game, huh? Heard of it? And we were having fun with it, right? But I kind right. of had that same energy you spoke to yeah. of I get to hit this shot, right? Yeah. Watch what I can do here. Well, kind mm -hmm. of, you know, ma matching up our, our body with our mind, right? You know, the, I think about the mantras that hung over Tiger's wall. You know, one of them was, I smile at obstacles. Well, when you're smiling, you know, that's something you're doing with your body, right? But it's engaging something that sometimes obstacles, you know, who would smile at that, right? You know, and so it's kind of, you know, I, I guess it's a way of tricking your mind, but just kind of putting it into a performance state. Um, you know, I've got a little phrase I use with a lot of my players, just movement is fun. Movement is fun. When it doesn't feel like it's fun, you, you got to tell yourself it's fun, you know, because it's, it really is, you know, we can see it as a game of failures or we can see it as a game as opportunities, but, you know, golf is all, all about how many chances can we create for ourselves because we're not going to come through every time. Some of my biggest key learnings about my brain on the golf course is this situation. It's a 380-yard straightaway par four, not a hard tee shot, and I block it 20 yards right. Okay? Then I got a 100, I don't know, 60-yard under the trees. Probably longer. I gotta, I, okay. Um, I, 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 I got to move it. I got I to gotta turn it right to left by about 9, 10 yards. And you just get in this moment. You're just like, wow, let's have some fun with this, right? I'm just going to, and I'm just going to use my instincts and my feels, and I knock it on the green. You so, love it. So many players in that. Scenario. Right. And it's just like, oh, like, like, screw it. I'm giving it a go. Yeah. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to get in this weird motion, drop that right shoulder back and swing it, you know, like a helicopter and do it. So, right. Think about it. I want to hear you guys talk about that. Like, that is very powerful, very freeing. And we have to recognize these moments. Yeah. I, I've made a lot of birdies from the trees in the last couple of years <laughs> because of what you're talking about there, Matt. I mean, it's like, I've got a punch shot here. I know I can hit a punch shot. Um, I'm not thinking, I'm thinking I can still make birdie here. If I can get on the green, I'll, I'll have a chance to make the putt. You, you just embrace that challenge, embrace that opportunity. And the more you do that, the less you're going to block those shots, right? It goes all the way back to the tee box. Cause if you're not scared of, you know, being in those trees, what, then, what, then you swing freer on the tee and you're going to hit it in the fairway or just barely in the rough where you don't have those obstacles in front of you. Because if you, but if you know that if you do end up in that situation and you've got the mentality that this is a, this is an opportunity for me, this is a challenge that I'm going to embrace. And I've got a, I've got a hole right there that my coach would not tell me to hit it through, but I'm going to hit it through it. Cause I know I can. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean... so, so Eric, so Eric, for all of the people out there listening, thinking, I just don't know how I can get there. I'm not good at golf. I keep duffing it. I keep scoring it. Let's just take a step back and, and let's play devil's advocate for them, okay? Whether or not you believe it, isn't it more fun to, ex to kind of have fun with it, right? And maybe hope that you could, or even if you're not fully confident that you can, wonder if you can. Because to your point, Eric, like every shot could be, and the guy I coach um, mentally for, the, for golf, I tell him, like, 
he was, he struggled with the yips and he, you know, was basing his success and failures after the round on a measuring stick based on how bad his yips were. Right. And I said, Hey, let's shift your goal to being, let's take away one awesome shot today. That's it. So if you get that on hole two, you're playing with house money, like go yeah. get another one. Right. But it's like, if you play golf in the mentality of maybe this is going to be that shot, right. That right. makes my day or that most amazing shot from the trees or that unbelievable up and down. If you gave me a hundred balls, there's no way I could do that again. That's just more fun to play that way than getting down on yourself for four and a half hours and paying over a hundred bucks to do it. Yeah. Why do we do that? Why are we so scared to hit, hit golf balls or, or hit golf shots? You know, it, it's like, it goes back to just being a game and, and having fun with it. And I've been able to a lot of fun with it the last couple of years, just, I get that opportunity to go out and play and it's not gonna I'm not gonna try to stress it out and I don't remember my bad shots I I take away and then when we get in the clubhouse afterwards and have drinks or whatever talking about the good shots hey did you see that shot I hit over there tell, tell you let me tell you about this up and down let me tell you about this par I made it, it's that sort of thing right why are we so this whole golf phenomenon if shooting a, a good score and all you do is talk about the, the double bogeys well I made those two doubles and it's like what are you doing let's celebrate all the good stuff right we're, yeah. we're, why is our why but golf's tricky like that right we we dwell it's such a difficult game it's so easy to dwell on the mistakes you know just, just kind of going back you know to our scenario in the trees versus maybe our scenario right now you know straightforward chip shot or or a tee shot you know um those situations are you know and i like i said i talked to so many people who it's 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 the easy chip shot they struggle with it's the straightforward tee shot, you know, it's, 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 you know, and the, they're just dominating out of the trees, right? <laughs> That's where they love the game. So, but, you know, we're in kind of like a different mental space and we got to recognize that, you know, on, on the tee shot, uh, maybe even versus the hundred yard wedge shot. And Eric and I have been, been kind of talking back and forth about, about, um, you know, just keeping, keeping it creative when it comes to kind of almost curating our experience on the golf course. Mm -hmm. And I think all players can do this. Like one, one way, one way to do this is to think about focus and think about the different types of focus. You can have an external focus, which would be like, okay, I'm fixing to swing the golf club and I'm, I, and I got the pin in my mind and I'm seeing the ball go to the hole. That's external because it's not really related to what's going on in my mind and in my body at the moment, right? And um, that feels good in, over that wedge shot. So the question is, why does it feel awful when we're over the tee shot? You know, we got our, our little small target out there, you know, 250 yards where we're looking at it. Well, the reason is over that wedge shot, the target is not a shotgun. And, you know, we're not thinking about just look at the target. You know, we're, we're freed up because it's not a threat to us. But when we get on that tee and we take that real external focus, you know, we're basically creating tension because we're, we're, that fairway is the one thing that eludes us, right? It's the one thing that we want. You know, it's one thing that we want to overcome. So in those moments, you know, it's perfectly okay to change up your focus, you know, you know, um, as you initiate the golf swing, of course, you're going to 
orient yourself in a direction, but then try to for, totally forget about the direction of right. where, where you're aimed and be present with the physical, um, the physicalness of the swing or, or something novel, you know, um, you know, th th that's two ways, you know, these principles in golf, like focusing on the target, they're not absolute, right? And I think we can go, um, we can go off course when we think that I got to focus on my target, whether it's a wedge shot or a tee shot, you know, it's like, no, mix it up, you know, experiment with it, you know? I got, right. I just can say I got one drill, you know, that I do, I call it the, 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 the one look drill. Like hit, get a series of golf shots where you only get yourself, give yourself one look out at the target. And then once your head goes down, it's got to stay down. And you'll be amazed by how accurate you, you, you hit it. Or at least your misses won't be as bad as your real misses on the golf course. Well, Ward, you're nailing it, right? Everybody says focus on target. Sometimes that's hard, right? Like, what does that mean, right? It's like, I got to connect an intermediate spot to this. And I got to think about my feet. I got I to think about my alignment. It, it's, it's overcoming, right? You know? And to your point about that drill, Eric, which I've always something admired about your plays, you play fast. You know, you you, you kind of see it in one practice swing maybe, and you do it. And I, there's a real power to that. Yeah, I mean, I I like to just commit to it. I've got my club, you know, you've got all these uh, variables that you're weighing. And, and then, but once you get over the shot, make the swing, you know, you're capable of making, you're not going to miss by much. You know, you're going to, you're not going to have those, those, big misses that that roll over into you know another club chip or another couple bogey string it's just you know just just get over it like war said and hit the golf shot all right so let's let's humanize the plus three shall we eric let's talk about club, club champion too okay. two-time club champion we can talk about that in a second but first eric i want you to talk about your biggest struggles if if i was going to put the club in your hand What's the one shot that your least favorite shot, the shot that you struggle with the most, the shot that maybe you and Ward talk about the most, your, your mental approach to it? I guess something that, that's always just kind of in the back of my mind is that I just never want to hit it left. <laughs> and, and I talk about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's just so maybe with a drive. Yeah, that may be a driver where, you know, I I know that when I go out and hit balls and, and when I'm playing my best, I'm not going to hit it left, but there's always just this little inkling back there of like, don't hit it left. Um, so that that's kind of one of them. I guess the other one that maybe I struggle with is just controlling my spin on kind of short iron shots. I get a little risky at the top and just trying to, you know, make sure that my, trying to work on that shot of just kind of being more compact up there and, and, and not letting that lag. Cause I mean, my, the lag that I, that I have is what gives me, and distance and things and, and i'm able to hit it you know relatively uh, relatively good distance and but that flag when i get a wedge shot in my hand if i've got a back pin you know with a lot of green to work with in front of that's probably where i struggle with the most right now is you know i want to get it back there but i'm battling controlling this spin that it's going to suck back off and, and and you know i'm going to have a 30 footer 40 footer up the hill so that, that's kind of what i'm working on right now um with those but yeah i mean it's just always that back of your mind with a driver don't hit this one and then you hit one way right or something okay so you're on a tee maybe there's ob left right and that little inkling comes up what's your process to relieve the tension acknowledge it and execute your shot 
Yeah, because like you said, you know, you know, those thoughts are going to come in. If I, if I, 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 I step off shots, you know, a few times here and there. If I get over a shot and I don't feel good about it, and I'm thinking about left, I'll just, I'll back off, and I may just, you know, kind of pat my head a little bit. You clear the mechanism, <laughs> and, right? What was the clear the mechanism? Go back, yeah, <laughs> you know, say, uh, you know, I haven't hit this shot yet. It hasn't gone left, and it, it, it doesn't have to go left. You know, just because I think or am fearful that it might doesn't have to. So just regroup, um, take a practice swing, make the swinger capable of hitting, or make make the swinger capable of swinging, and uh, and get up there and just do it, and then see what happens. I mean, you know you might be as surprised at the result as anybody in your group or something like that. But that's when you're playing your best is when you're, you're surprised as well. I, I was just going to say, I, I get cracked up every time I, I, I hear, hear that because uh, I, I hit it left a lot in high school. And I, we had a coach who was a biology professor who didn't play golf. And I'm like, coach, I'm hitting it left. He's like, well, I'm right. <laughs> I do a lot of self-talk of just calm, control, you know, confidence. It is something that I'll I'll step back and just repeat that calm, control, confident. You know, I'm I'm ready. I think I can do this. I'm I'm relaxed. Um, just repeat those words that that you know are the way are the are the things that you're feeling when you're playing at your best. You know, goes to trying to relive those those stretches that you've been in. How are you feeling? I was relaxed. I was calm. I was confident you know, those things, just repeat those as you step off a shot that you're not comfortable with, step back up. And as, even as you're, you know, taking the club back, calm, cool, confident, you know, I, I do that quite often. You know, I was with Brendan at the BMW in Chicago last year and we were walking down the fairway and there were two, two trees side by side. And I said, you know, isn't it amazing how, how much what we do could be summarized to just moving our attention between two trees, moving it maybe away from tree one to tree two and basically you know like you're over a tee shot you know you're you're thinking about left basically what's going on is you're not wanting to hit it left right and so whether you're not wanting to do something or really wanting to do something it's, it's still feedback right because mm -hmm. you know and so at the end of the day it's just you know like i said feedback is feedback so you can in terms of self-talk you can you know use a phrase like i'm moving my attention away from wanting it so bad onto that next tree whether it's you know thinking your swing thought thinking your tempo thought you know thinking about your setup and alignment you know it can be a lot right i mean the, the, that moment is unique to every golfer and the, the actual steps that they go through to, to actually play the shot respond to their plan so but um I like to think of it in terms of moving, right? We're one way or another, we're moving our attention from one place to another. Yeah. Another thing I'll do is, you know, step off that shot and I'm thinking those things. I'll smile. I'll force myself to smile and tell yourself you're having fun and go up there and be smiling while you're over a golf, over the ball and, and just rip it. Just Eric, that's, that makes a significant <laughs> difference. I've tried that before and it's crazy the subtle yeah. and amazing impact of smiling over a golf shot. It's can automatic make... too, isn't it, Evan? Yeah. You, don't, yeah. you don't stress about, am I going to be able to smile when someone tells me to smile, you know? You right. And that's what well, we want golf to be like. It's interesting because, you know, again, going back to like personality types and tendencies, um, looking back on when I would play, you know, I never played in college or anything, but the biggest stage I've played on is probably either Ryder Cup singles with my buddies that we do every year 
for my member guests, right? With hundreds of people watching and you're playing for like 10 grand, right? And I sometimes like thinking about things of being uncommon. And that works for me, right? Like I know that everyone in that moment defaults to nerves and nerves are, are common. That's an automatic thing. Like there's a lot on the line. It makes sense that I'm nervous right now. Like to your point, Ward, like what's the feedback? Oh, nerves. Okay. That I makes care. sense. Yeah. I'm on a big stage, yeah. right? But didn't I want to be here? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be here. So then I think to myself, okay, so I move, I, I take the feedback. I move to the next thing. Okay, well, I actually have the power and the training and the choice to relish in this moment. Like I know that I'm going to play my best when everyone else is going to take themselves out of it. It's kind of like what Brooks used to talk about and Jack about like in majors, half the field's going to take themselves out of it anyways, because it's the biggest stage. Brooks has the narrative of this is when I perform my best. Right. And so I think finding what those thoughts are for you and maybe feeling like uncommon among common men or women is one way to get yourself there. You know, like I'm looking at my opponent thinking they're, they're taking themselves out of it right now, but I have the tools because I have a choice in what I focus on. Right. It's really powerful. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what you want. You know, when you, when you start thinking about pressure situations or, you know, you think you got nerves coming in, um, like Matt mentioned, you know, if you, if you don't have those nerves coming in, then, then why are you out there doing it? And, and when you got those pressure situations, you gotta just take a step back and say, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I thrive in. This is, mm-hmm. this is why you play the game. This is why you play in these competitions to, to perform in these moments. And that goes back to it just being an opportunity and, and, uh, and embracing that, that pressure that, that is seemingly there that you're putting on yourself, um, you know, and, and relaxing that to say, um, this, this is why I'm playing. This, this is the moment I want to be in and, and just recognizing that. Yeah, I think, and with Eric, the club championship victories, like, is that some of the clarity? You know, I mean, you've always been good enough to win those, right? And you're going to win more of them, but like, there had to be some aha moments. Yeah, I mean, I had a really big aha moment. I won it last year. Um, I stepped on 18T. It's a par five, um, relatively short, easily reachable view. Um, but there's, you know, a ditch down the left. There's a, there's some, a little bit of trouble, right? Trees. Um, and I knew I had to birdie it to win. We had live scoring going. Two guys in front of me had just finished. Um, I've got a, I'm tied at that point. And I, 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 it was one of the best moments I've had in golf where I was ready for it. I was in it. I'm, I knew I was going to birdie that hole before I even hit the tee shot. And I roped one down there. Uh, hit it up on the green, end up making about a four and a half footer for birdie and, and one. And and so, I, I, you know, five or six years ago, 10 years ago, I don't know where, I don't know what I'd have done. I, I think I obviously would have been capable of doing that, but I was really just ready at that point and, and knew what I needed to do and was able to just put it to the side. I've played this hole a million times. I've birdied this hole, you know, more times than not and, and just go do it. And, and I was able to do it. And it'll be something that, and and I haven't, you know, since then, but something that I'll, I'll remember and reach back to when I'm in a similar situation, um, and, and use that to, 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 to to do it, pull it off again. You know, know, I love Evan's point about the the novel aspect, or you said the uncommon aspect of the the experience you're having. 
you know, um, I've heard it said, you know, it, you know, that's basically we're talking about being present, right? So, you know, um, you know, one exercise to do, like, you know, if you're right-handed, you know, you brush your teeth right-handed and then we fly through it. We don't think about it, right? We may be thinking about our appointment or something, but if mm-hmm. you brush your teeth left-handed, you're going to be present with that act in a little different way. And a, kind of a funny story to your point, just about, just about adding something novel and, um, a few years back, I came out of retirement to caddy for a mutual friend of Eric and I. I was on the uh, Rick Cochran on the Nationwide Tour, and uh, I was at Victoria National. It was really, uh, Rick was kind of struggling with the yips, and we were just kind of having a fun time for the week. But we're playing in this uh, shootout on a Tuesday with all these local kids. And we're walking up. We got the four. We made it through three holes. Rick's out there griping. We make it to the fourth hole, and we got like a 20-footer in the kids putting, and Rick's over here talk, telling me, oh, God, please don't let him leave this short or leave it three feet. <laughs> and it, the kid knocked it up there at about Rick's good range, about three feet, and Rick's like just grinding over this putt. And so I get behind him, and I whisper. I said, Rick, you do know that this is the biggest putt of your life. And he misses it. We go back to the clubhouse. He's in tears. I'm dying laughing, you know. But but I tried to add a little novelty then, Evan, and a, a little uncommon uh, word of advice. But, but hey, all of that, you know, it's nothing wrong with laughing at yourself from time to time. This game, yeah, game will make you feel crazy. That's for sure. Well, real quick, Matt, before you ask our last question, Eric, you made me think of something that I've actually never thought of before, which is, you know me referencing the shootout as my, you know, biggest pressure moment. That's a partner event. What do you do in a partner event? You pump each other up, right? Especially alternate shot. Like I tell Ryan day one, before we tee off our rule as a team, we never apologize to the other. Never. Yeah. Right. Cause that adds way too much pressure. And now I'm feeling shame, not only for myself, but I feel like I let someone else down. So we pick each other up, right? But we don't, a lot of people don't take that partner mentality when you're playing alone, right? And you, yeah. the mentality you just described on 18 to win the club championship is kind of a partner mentality. Like we are here, let's do this. Let's win this, right? Yeah, yeah. You're just talking yourself up and, and, and pumping yourself up. Like I can do this, I've got this. Um, you know, it's just as if Ryan's telling you, let's do it, you got this. Yeah. You tell yourself, why don't you pump yourself up, you know, more often and say, Hey, you know, this is where you want to be. Let's, let, you know, and, and at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's just golf. But at the right. same time, you really want it. And, and you get yourself in that situation to say, I've got this, let's just go do it. And, and, you know, you, you like I said, you kind of think of, I'll use that going forward. And I've had previous shots that I, you know, envision or, or think about before I hit other shots, similar shots I've hit, or just think of a good shot I've hit before, you know, approaching another one. Ward and I talk about this a lot too, of just kind of, kind of thinking of yourself, of you, that you're looking down on yourself and how you want to look. That makes sense. You know, in, in your mind, you're, you're thinking about how you're, you're carrying yourself, how your swing is going to look. You know, I kind of had already played through my head what this is going to look like. I'm going to hit this drive there. I'm going to walk down. I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm walking tall. And, and I kind of just, you know, envision that preview, you know, before hitting the shot and then just go do it. Mm. Kind of want to close here and talking about something that you guys said earlier in the episode that I think is so powerful. We might have to title the episode this access our best. 
Okay. And so how do we do that? Eric, I, I've something I've really admired about you over the last couple of years is your discipline. For example, you get up at 5 a.m., you go for a walk on the course, you see the sunrise. That's powerful. That gets you closer to your best, right? And so yeah. it's the, the your routines, like, you know, talk about that and more, maybe you can jump in. Like this is, you have taken such strides in your golf game because I think you've thought about it more holistically, areas of your life, routines. And I think for those listeners out there, that's how we get to the core of some of this. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's very, it is powerful. And it's very interesting because it kind of goes back to the very initial um, meeting that Ward and I had. And he, he just kind of asked me, you know, well, how do you, how do you prepare for a term or how do you prepare to get into that ideal performance state? Or how do you prepare leading up to that first tee? Well, I started kind of figuring out ways of, of how I needed to do that. And that 5 a.m. stuff is, you know, in matter of and David Rob and Sharma guys and, and like listen to that yeah. stuff and there's studies and things of, of how you can hone in your focus by you know getting up early having that time for yourself some of that solitude seeing the sunrise this morning I got up and went and walked uh walked nine holes you know on the cart path with my dog with uh Jimmy Brown that uh that Ward knows he's he's a legend in our area uh three-time amateur champion uh he's just got inducted into the Kentucky Golf Hall of Fame last year and you know it's using people like that to, to, you know, learn from them and just absorb it all you can. But yeah, I, I'll get up early, especially on tournaments. I'll get up, I'll go try to see the sunrise. I'll come down to the river sometimes. Uh, last summer, I think I did that. And, you know, on a Sunday, Saturday afternoon for an invitational tournament, went out and shot 66. And so it's, uh, you know, it, it works for me. Um, it, it's something that I know that I get in my routine. It's going it, to, proven, I've proven it to myself by doing it. And I know just through the research that it works and things like that. So it, then it just gives you that confidence that it's gonna that it's gonna work again. So you just kind of keep doing it and and just being one with uh, with who you are and and feeling and feeling confident in what you're doing. Yeah, and I just say you know Eric called it routines. I'd call it environment. You know, at the end of the day, you can't beat a bad envir environment, but you must change your environment. And basically, I'm referring to your, your internal environment, the internal environment that, that you bring to uh, your competitive arena, right? And so, might need to upgrade the, the inputs in your life, you know, your support team, your support resources, you know, thinking about the experiences that you, you want to have moving forward and, you know, take charge. In, in, intervene in in your own life right mm. yeah and, and maybe this is a great place to close i love this because this is all about feedback right and a lot of things is that lead to powerful habits and routines to matt's point is getting curious with what fires you up right so literally go through yeah. life not just in golf of okay what i really felt amazing today what did i do today okay, well, maybe I ate this instead of this. Maybe I woke up earlier. Maybe I worked out in the morning. Maybe I watched this video that really fired me up. Maybe I read last night, right? Like I started years ago, I started to get really curious and I started to identify, okay, if I'm gonna have my best day, these are my non-negotiables. These are my things that put me in my best state that get me fired up, right? And whether that's watching a Chicago Cubs compilation for Mr. Cermak here, or if it's watching the last dance, whatever it is, find your things 
and, and use those because to Ward's point, inputs are so important, especially if you're struggling, you're feeling like in a rut, consume things that can get you out of it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect point. Cause it, when I started, you know, doing my kind of morning ritual routine, getting in that morning environment, you know, I started seeing that it worked. And, and now I know that if I want to be productive in my office, um, I've got to get up and go do something. I've got to either go do some exercise, go walk, but I've got to be up early and do that. And so, you know, being disciplined to in, in, ingrain that habit and things and then just finding those things that, that work for you, I think it's a, that's a great point to just you know, do those things more. If that, if, that, if that helps you, you know, on any given day, we'll do it again the next day or do something yeah. similar to it and, and, and start ingraining that habit and, and do it more often so that you're, you know, you're giving yourself an opportunity to be, to perform at your best more often. And that's all we can really do is to try to put yourself in the best situation to perform at your best more often. And the more often you do that, the more often it happens. And then it becomes, you know, second nature almost at a certain point. Um, but yeah, you know, it takes a while. It, it, you just got to keep after it. Yeah. Basically, what Eric's saying is less bar stool, more par train. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't want to ride the par train? Right. <laughs> what a way! What a way to end it, Ward. What a way to end it. So, well, guys, guys, yeah. this was this was awesome. I mean, I feel like maybe we need to have you guys back on, maybe after the next uh, club championship. Like, really go into, you know, things you go through in the club championship, yeah. what you're working on. I mean, I, these are my favorite types of episodes. So, thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, and just before you go, tell us where we can find you guys, Eric. We know you're on Twitter. Yeah, I am on Twitter. I guess I'm at Eric Straub. <laughs> I think I've been on Twitter for a little while, but, uh, but yeah, um, just want to thank you guys for having us. Um, I, I've listened to several of your episodes, obviously Matt and I go back to college and, and, and everything and we're good buddies, but you guys do a phenomenal job and it's an honor to be asked to, to be a part of this. And I've had a great time discussing with, I'd love to come back and, and do that and do that at some point and just uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys on this. Oh yeah, and Ward, you're on TikTok, right? Tell us where <laughs> where everybody can follow you. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, you can follow me on tw Twitter and Instagram at uh, W Jarvis Coaching. Uh, my uh, crappy website is at uh, Jarvis-Coaching.com. It's going to be upgraded this summer. So um, my son even told me yesterday I was on YouTube. So uh, baby steps here. Well, I'm going to make sure I'm going to make sure Ward's not dancing on TikTok. I mean, I, some might yeah. like it. I don't know. could be the next big thing. All right, guys. Well, this thanks awesome. so much. Thanks for Absolutely. coming on. And we'd love to have you back anytime. Take care, guys. Yeah. Thank you, boys.